Maria Luisa Mendonça and Max Garces, both from Brazil, spoke at an Ottawa event on November 1st, 2018, four days after the election of Bolsonaro. Maria Luisa is director of the Network for Social Justice and Human Rights in Brazil, and Max is a labor lawyer. The following three segments are a six-minute interview with Maria Luisa, then 11 minutes of Max's talk, then 11 minutes of Maria Luisa's responses to audience questions, but with the questions removed. This audio is published by equitableeducation.ca. Your name and uh, organization? Okay. It's Maria Luisa Mendonça. I'm with the Network for Social Justice and Human Rights in Brazil. Yeah. And you're in, you're in uh, Ottawa in Canada uh, just after the election, and you have some important stuff. That's why you're here. Yes, it's very important to build international solidarity with Brazil because we have a fascist government now that um, in, we have a, a risk of uh, repression against social movement, against uh, any type of uh, opposition. And uh, I think that uh, having an openly fascist government in Brazil is going to have an impact in the whole region. So it's important to build solidarity. And do you have a sense of how bad it might be? I know there was another interview you were saying it's like unimaginable what it might be like and it's only a weekend or something? Yes, the government just created a, a task force uh, with the military to uh, classify any type of opposition as uh, terrorist groups. So I think that uh, we're going to see a great deal of repression. Already we have seen attacks against uh, members of the Workers' Party, against indigenous communities, against uh, LGBT people on the streets. Um, so this is a racist, a fascist, uh, uh, a government that uh, you know is saying that uh, it's going to also crack down on teachers and professors. So we need to pay attention to what's happening in Brazil. It's, I mean, people already know that there's a lot of violence in Brazil, and maybe that contributed to him being elected. Well, I think that the main problem was that um, the most popular leader in Brazil, Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, the former president, was put in jail. And uh, if he was able to run, he would win the elections. Uh, although there is no evidence of corruption against Lula, uh, the conservative parties went ahead and arrested him anyway. And this started uh, in 2016 with the parliamentary coup against President Dilma Rousseff that uh, was impeached, although uh, there was no uh, charges of uh, corruption against her. So she was impeached without a crime. So that's why we said we had a parliamentary coup at that time. So that created a political vacuum in the country. Um, and uh, although the opposition party, the Workers' Party, uh, had a lot of support in this election, uh, there was a lot of uh, manipulation by the mainstream media and also a huge campaign, a social media campaign of fake news that uh, contributed to electing this fascist government. I, I heard that the, um, from the MST about if we had two days with no social media, we'd probably win. We, the Workers' Party would probably win because of the way that the Bolsonaro was uh, using the media and the social media. Yes, there was a thing. huge social media campaign spreading fake news against the, the Workers' Party candidate, Fernando Dadi 
At the same time, Fernando Dali has a had a beautiful campaign. Um, he didn't have much time to to organize the campaign because until about a month before the elections, uh, people were hoping that uh, Lula was going to be able to to run. But the Supreme Court in Brazil changed the interpretation of the law, saying that uh, he was going to be arrested, even though he still has the possibility of uh, appealing his case. So you know that together um, with the with the social media and manipulation led to the election of this fascist government. And I, and I think people may not realize that he said he was a political prisoner without evidence. They put him in jail. They put him without communication with anyone in jail. Yeah, he was not able to to speak with the press, for example, um, and uh, that's illegal because even, you know, drug dealers in Brazil sometimes speak from the from prison. So, so. so, yeah, I think it's important also to say that uh, there was a, a huge grassroots campaign in support of uh, Fernando Haddad, the Workers' Party president, the women's movement organized a huge campaign called Not Him, referring to Bolsonaro. Which is El Now? El Now, the El Now campaign that uh, was very popular. So um, I think we need to keep supporting social movements in Brazil. Uh, they are at risk right now of uh, repression and uh, organized international solidarity. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that because um, last night you were saying one one way is to look at the companies that are doing business with Brazil and are going to benefit and to put pressure on them. Yeah, to put pressure on the Canadian companies and uh, also to uh, to support organizations in Brazil that are fighting against the, the coup and against the fascist government. As, like, as things develop, um, how, how are we going to know what's going on now? Well, I think it's to follow the alternative media in Brazil and uh, be in contact with social movements. So, you know, and also to try to spread the word here about what's happening there. Okay, thank you. Thanks. It's something unbelievable for us. What's happening there, uh, it's hard for us to deal because we always thought this guy would, was going to be unelectable forever. It's too bad to be true. Just to have an idea, if this guy was running against Trump or against Doug Ford in a campaign, I wouldn't ex hesitate to go campaigning for Trump because he's much worse than anything we, we can have. We even have the far right in Europe trying to distance themselves from this guy. But him, Le Pen in France said, we have nothing to do with this guy. He doesn't represent us. Just to see how bad things are. And not only he's a fascist, but he's a very ignorant person. The, a couple years ago, there was a TV debate, they were asking him about infant mortality. During the 14 years of the Workers' Party, infant mortality decreased dramatically in Brazil. And after the coup started increasing, they asked him why it was increasing. After the coup, he had, uh, he had uh, been an advocate for it. Then he started saying, we have to say, you have to understand, when they count infant mortalities, there's all the problem with premature babies, and that influences the statistics. The, the, the presenter, but this has nothing to do with the case. There was premature babies before 
Well, for other reasons, several women don't brush their teeth properly and mouth hygiene impacts, and then she just decided to change the subject. So it's appalling to have this guy. He's like a Sarah Palin on his steroids. He can't even understand the questions it's presented. And today he decided that he's going to move the Brazilian embassy in Israel to Jerusalem, which is something disgusting. And 98% of the richest cities in Brazil voted for him. He was winner in 98% of the richest cities. And a progressive candidate won in 97 of the poorest cities. So we had a division, but we also had lots of people from the working class that voted for him, mainly evangelicals. The evangelical churches in Brazil that are extremely powerful, they, have, they own TV stations, they own, own radios, they own newspapers. You can see live exorcisms on Brazilian TV in several channels during the night. They made a huge campaign, illegal campaign, as Maria Luisa was saying, using WhatsApp, spreading fake news, paid by private companies, and Brazilian electoral law says that only individuals can contribute financially, not companies. It was blatant, the violation of electoral law. We have put uh, accusation against him to cancel his victory. It's very unlikely the Brazilian electoral courts are gonna do anything because the, our justice system was a very active part in the coup and in this election. election. Today, he decided to put this so-called anti-corruption judge, the one that put Lula in jail in an expedited process, the one that blocked Lula from being a candidate, the one that spread uh, news against the, the Workers' Party a few days before the election, he appointed this guy as the Minister of Justice, just declared. So imagine you, you are watching a game, a referee uh, is just stealing things from one team and next night he's invited to be a, the president of the team. It's just how bad things are now and to be a lawyer in Brazil with this absence of rule of law is very, very depressing. And the evangelicals have been saying that if the left or the center left, a very moderate candidate, were to come back, we, we could have a gay dictatorship in Brazil. It's just what Doug Ford was doing here, but just in, in a very absurd and exaggerated manner, saying that they would stimulate children to be gay, and he was, they were spreading lots of fake news about that on WhatsApp, and it was very hard to, to find out, and very likely that he wouldn't have been elected wasn't for the use of fake news in a gigantic operation that really resembles Cambridge Analytica and could be even worse than that. With probably the support of the US, he's connected the US to his backbone. There are videos of him saluting the US flag. And also it's disastrous how many MPs were elected from the far right. Several very ignorant and super racist people. And a part of Brazilian society didn't vote for him even though he is homophobic or even though he is misogynistic. Unfortunately, 
I would believe that 20% of the Brazilian population voted because he is homophobic, because he is racist, because he is misogynistic. We have had in the last few weeks a number of deaths caused by his supporters, just killing Workers' Party supporters on the streets, three de deaths, and dozens and dozens of physical aggressions. So people now feel empowered to attack people, to attack women, to attack people of Afro ancestry, and uh, the attack on, on labor rights most likely is going to be dramatic. He has talked about just shutting down the labor justice in Brazil altogether, and it's dramatic how workers and blue-collar workers work voted for a guy that's going to be clearly against his interests. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to be here uh, no more than 810. I have to join custody two small kids here and have to get back home. It would be a pleasure to continue in the, the discussions. And, but we're going to need solidarity from uh, not only the working class in several countries, but progressists, because we're going to have to deal with incredible challenges concerning agenda for workers, agenda for LGBT, for women, for children. We're going to have wide privatizations that could compromise the future of Brazil as a nation. We have uh, severe threats to our sovereignty. The damage that this guy could do for climate change is gigantic. He just wants to give open license to destroy what's left of the Amazon forest. And that could be huge in any kind of uh, scenario to, to try to, to diminish CO2 emissions. And uh, he can be a, a way of, uh, of, fight, of uh, putting Brazil against what was, has, has been done for 12 years in our diplomacy, trying to support other nations and try to create some kind of system that would be uh, against what the U.S. is doing and using all these new uh, dictators in South America and bogus elections or coup d'etats as happened in, in Paraguay and in Honduras and these new forms of coup d'etats. So it's very, very dramatic and uh, we don't know how worse things are going to become, but we're prepared to, to have very dark years. And uh, I'm touched to see how many people here are present in such a, a working day. And uh, if my, my, my contact is there in the paper, and uh, I spend at least half the time here in Ottawa, and if I can be on any use to start creating awareness about what's happening in Brazil, and to get support from, from civil society and prog progressive people here. That would be greatly appreciated. And thank you very much. And concerning the, what the current mentioned about the Workers' Party, we were very tame in, in government. There's, at some point, Lula had 80% of approval ratings. He could have been a lot bolder than he was. 
and uh, we had only 14% of MPs in Parliament. We had to negotiate with other parties, but we went way too far on playing politics as usual, and we shouldn't have made so many deals with conservative parties. We were very naive and not bold enough. And it is true, during the last years of Dilma, Dilma's government, she started adopting some new liberal policies. She started trying to privatize electric utility company in Brazil. And my law firm, in the morning, we were fighting the privatization she was doing, in the afternoon we were trying to defend her from impeachment. So I told my clients that I was gonna use the legal fees just to pay a psychoanalyst to be with me <laughs> 24 hours a day. And she was a bit forced for the fiscal crisis that happened, but she shouldn't have but accepted this kind of a demands from the far right, uh, from the business sector as she did. And uh, the Workers' Party committed several mistakes, but what I think is that the rich, they hate us not because of our mistakes, but because of the things that were successfully implemented. And it wasn't a leftist regime by any means, it was just a social democrat way of doing things. and. It's the country that's after China that took people out of poverty by the most, more than 30 million people. But we gave people uh, economic rights, we gave them new fridges, new cars, new houses, but we didn't debate about class war, about the tragedy that capitalism does. And Mujica, for instance, in Uruguay, even though it was a very, a very moderate government as ours, at least they debated and they made this kind of discussion a commonplace in people's lives, how capitalism is essentially unfair and how uh, the, the kind of caste system we have in Brazil, social classes that can't move, uh, should be tackled. This, unfortunately, it wasn't. We thought we would have time to do that, and now we see that uh, democracy is so fragile, and liberal democracy is just can be erased whenever it's inconvenient. It's very sorry that we missed such an opportunity. I don't know how long it's gonna to take to be back in power. And with this very happy note, I leave my room. <laughs> Thank you very much. If you count the actual uh, voters, number of voters, and, and, uh, and count the people who didn't vote, then uh, the numbers were, you know, Bolsonaro got about 36%, Haddad got about 31%, and the rest of the percentage were people who didn't vote at all. So, you know, there was, it's not like uh, the whole country is fascist. Uh, probably, you know, about 30% of people voted for him. Uh, I'm going to turn it back to Marie Luisa about uh, the trade union movement. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because uh, the uh, greater number of strikes that we have seen uh, recently were doing the Lula and Dilma government because we had the situation of almost full employment at that time, right? And uh, so the workers were mainly fighting for better wages. So we had several uh, strikes and mobilizations uh, for better wages of uh, workers, not against the government, but uh, you know, to negotiate better agreements with the companies. And uh, 
Now we have a situation of 15% of unemployment in the country. Well, I feel like I explained this at the beginning of my talk. I don't know if you were here, because I explained the role of uh, the, uh, the media. I explained you know, the, the, the problems within the party, the criticism. I think we, we talked about that. I don't want to repeat everything else. Um, of course, the PT had uh, limits. You know, we had criticisms of the PT. But uh, I don't think that uh, uh, that's, and of course we have to do a self-critique, but if you compare uh, the numbers uh, between what we had in the previous administrations before the PT and what we have now in terms of uh, how much improvement there were, you know, they created affirmative action programs in universities. Uh, they created you know, a ministry for human rights, for racial equality, uh, for women. Uh, so, of course, the, they could have done much more, so there were limits, but uh, what we have now, it's, we cannot even compare to what we had before. So, it would almost be like uh, blaming Obama because, of, because Trump got elected. Of course, you know, we had many criticisms of Obama, but you know, it's, it's much more complex than that, and I think we don't have time to go into all the details. So I would say that, uh, yes, we need to critique the PT and have a, you know, honest conversation. At the same time, it's clear that we had a situation of employment, we had a lot of support for low-income students to have access to education, uh, 30 million people got out of poverty, we had a huge you know, low-income housing uh, projects. So, you know, there were contradictions and problems, but, you know, we had the situation of uh, uh, a country that uh, we had the sense that we were growing, we were improving, and now it felt like we are, we are back to the military dictatorship. Uh, and uh, I think that, of course, the PT had made several mistakes, but there was a specific plan orchestrated by the right-wing parties, first of all, to orchestrate a speculative attack against Brazil. Because the economic crisis happened almost from one day to the next. And uh, it cannot be explained just by the decrease of the price of uh, commodities in international markets. You know, of course, Brazil would suffer with that and uh, can also cannot be explained just because of problems with Petrobras, because Petrobras is a very valuable company no matter what. So uh, there, were, there was a speculative attack that uh, led uh, the Dilma government to increase interest rates to devaluate the currency from almost one day to the next. It was almost like we, we went to sleep, the country was growing, we woke up, there was an economic crisis, right? So it was not like in the US that you had the housing bubble, that you explain the economic crisis because of a housing bubble. In Brazil, there was no such event as big as that to justify a huge change in, you know, in, in the course of uh, economic policy. And uh, so there was actually a speculative attack. 
So it's much more complex than just the wheel of the PT. You know, Dilma had to kind of deal with the two sides of the story. He had, she had a finance minister that was connected to Wall Street, and then she had another uh, uh, second uh, person who was who who supported the Keynesian social program type of policy. So she was trying to deal with you know both the and speculative attack from Wall Street, and at the same time to keep the social programs going. So it was not an easy solution. And, uh, and again, we had a parliamentary coup, you know, and then we had a series of events that uh, led to the imprisonment of Lula without any evidence. So he's a political prisoner. This is, what we, this is the central question right now. So what we need to do is to build solidarity with people who are resistant, with the black women's movement, with the women's movement in general, who created a huge campaign, who are still struggling. Now the main slogan now is "Let's keep our hands, you know, um, uh, keep holding hands," because we are at risk. Social movements are at risk. LGBT people, black people, are going to suffer a lot. There will be a great deal of repression. Bolsonaro said that uh, he will give a green light for the police to kill. So already we have seen attacks, people are being attacked on the streets. So I would like to, you know, to just uh, focus on that and what we can do. And I think that what, what you both offer is very important. And I mean, of course, we know the history of colonization of Brazil, right? We all know that. Uh, but what I'm trying to say here is that um, uh, all the Northeast states <coughs> voted for Fernando Haddad, like you were saying, right? So, uh, you know, almost uh, half of percent of the voters recognized that, uh, you know, uh, they voted for the Workers' Party. They know that there were improvements in their lives during that time. All the, the official data, the UN showed that there were improvements. I mean, I was a university professor and I saw the number of uh, black students, for example, in universities increased by hundreds of thousands. Uh, so there were problems, of course, there are problems everywhere, but there were really concrete improvements during that time that uh, are, you know, you can find data, official data in many places about that. And uh, although there were two years of constant attacks on social media and on mainstream media against the PT, Lula was in jail, you know, in spite of all of that, of all the propaganda, a lot, you know, that Haddad had a very short campaign, he had, you know, less than a month to campaign, still, you know, all the Northeast states, the poor states voted for Fernando Haddad. So they recognized the benefits that they had during that time. Yeah, they are under a serious threat right now. Uh, just a couple of days ago, one of their camps uh, were, was put in fire. There was a fire, a criminal fire. And uh, Bolsonaro has said uh, that uh, he wants to eliminate uh, the MST and other social movements in Brazil. So we are very concerned that uh, there would be a crackdown on the MST and other social movements. In terms of the validation, I think that was a very important suggestion. One thing that has been really important is the 
coverage uh, in the international media of what's happening in Brazil. The international media is validating the fact that uh, we have a fascist government, right? Mm -hmm. That's very important. The, because of the criticism from international organizations, environmental groups, the government backed out on the idea of uh, destroying merging the, the, the uh, merging the Minister of Environment, for example. Um, so I think that uh, whatever channels you have on social media, on mainstream media, to validate the position of uh, the social movements in Brazil, you know, they're fighting for democracy, the women's movement, uh, you know, there were, uh, it was very important to get international support for the Not Him campaign, right? So, you know, that's a, a key point as well. And, uh, I mean, I, I just wanted to say that, of course, Brazil always had a problem. In my academic work, I always used the concept of neocolonialism. I wasn't trying to, you know, be uh, to debate what you were saying, uh, but I'm just saying that we are now in such a, a, a situation of uh, extreme situation of crisis in Brazil, right? So what we can do now about the situation that you know we are facing right now? I think this is the urgency that I was trying to express in my comments. Thanks. Thanks for listening. This audio and two others, as well as accompanying article, printable PDF, and links to references and solidarity organizing are all available online at equitableeducation.ca.